And so today, to kind of begin our conversation, here, here's what I, I want to do, is I want to look the first part of our time together with where, where does culture say we find an identity? Where, do, where is that, where's the cultural formation of identity located? And then the second part I want to talk about, but what about Jesus? And what about the way of Christianity in the, in the Christian faith? Where do we find identity there? Uh, and kind of this first part of the message a lot of this comes from a, a pastor, theologian, um, author by the name of Tim Keller. He's been ministering for decades and has done some really good work in this area. Um, and, and he describes identity as having two core parts. That identity, when you boil it down, is a sense of self and a sense of worth. The first thing it is, is it's a sense of self, like the, the core, stable sense of who I am, like who I really am. Am. When you boil that down and, and clear away everything else, like who, like who is, what is the core of Phil? What is the essence of Phil? And oh, not for you, it wouldn't be the core of, it wouldn't be you, it wouldn't be the core of me. That'd be weird, okay? But, but for each of us, like who is the core of who we are? And so I think in my own life, you know, there's a lot of different roles that I play and things and seasons and personality traits. It's like, I'm a, well, I'm a, I'm a father and I'm a husband and I'm a son and I'm a brother and I'm a friend and I'm a pastor and, um, you know, I, 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 I like sports and things. I'm pretty bad at golf, but I like doing it anyway. I'm a Steelers fan. Woo! Um, Got to work that in there. You know, I, 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 like, I have a sense of humor. I like to joke a lot. I like barbecue. You could say that I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. <laughs> Yay! Everybody gets the song reference. We're not going to sing the rest of the song, though. And you will not call me Mo Reese after service. Um, but right, like, but out of all of those things, like, what's the me that's really me in all of that, because there's a part of me that's the same in all of those. So what's that core of who I am? It's a sense of self and then a sense of worth. Out of that sense of self, do I feel good about that? Like, does who I am have worth, have value, have significance? A sense of self and a sense of worth. And every culture has a way of shaping that, of informing that, of, of saying this is where you get it, this is how it develops, and it's not like a course that you take, like cultural identity formation, it just kind of happens. It's, it's in the air that we breathe, the water that we swim in. There's, it's, it's really found mostly in the stories that we tell. Um, as humans, we are, like, we are creatures of story. That's how we communicate things. We tell stories. Uh, and so in our modern culture, these stories come out in the things we post on social media, the videos that we watch, the podcasts and TV shows and movies and music. And, like, what are the stories that we tell? That is where identity formation comes from. And cultures throughout human history have had a way of doing this. And really, there's kind of two broad categories that I want to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about our modern culture because that's the context that we live in. But apart from that, you kind of have, as opposed to our modern Western way of forming identity, you had the, the traditional or the ancient culture, uh, culture's way of forming an identity. And this is true actually still of non-Western cultures today, still this kind of traditional sense. So in a traditional culture, here's where you get your um, identity. In a traditional culture and non-Western cultures today, your identity comes primarily from your role in the group. Your family, your tribe, your group says, this is who you are. This is the role that you play within society or within this family. That was your sense of self. And the sense of worth comes from then, how well do you perform that role? Like, are you living up to that? Are you doing that? And so traditional cultures, you're, you're going to describe yourself as, well, I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a brother, uh, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, right? It's, this is who I am 
in the group. This is why, you know, I mean, we don't do this anymore, at least not in our culture, but in, like, you watch a movie or a TV show, and it's portraying an ancient culture, and people will introduce themselves as, like, I am so-and-so, son of so-and-so, from the tribe of such-and-such, such, right? Because it's communi- <laughs> really specific. It's communicating, like, this is my identity. My identity is my family and my group. And so in a traditional culture, it says the, the identity comes from outside of you. It comes from some, something or someone else saying, this is who you are. But then you have who you are as an individual and what's you know, in your heart and your feelings and desires and dreams. And you bring that into alignment with your identity in the group. Modern culture takes that idea and completely flips it on the head. It it's completely reverses that. Modern culture says, no, 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 no. Nobody else gets to tell you who you are. Only you can do that. The way you find an identity in modern culture is you look into your heart, you discover your deepest desires, your deepest dreams, your feelings, and you say, okay, that is who I am, and now I will assert my identity on the group. Rather than the group giving me my identity and me adjusting to them, I assert my identity that I found within my heart, and everybody has to adjust to me. It's like comp- it's completely uh, flipped around. And uh, psychologists have a, a term for this. It was coined, I think, in the 1980s. It's called expressive individualism, that every individual just expresses themselves, right? I, I, I kind of joke about this phrase a lot. You'll know if you're around. Like, I know Carrie will think this is the, the phrase, like, you do you. Like, you do you. I'm like... It drives me crazy because if you ever think about it, it's really bad advice because me doing me is how I've caused most of the problems in my life, right? But that's this idea of expressive individualism. I will do and live out who I am in my heart. And so the stories that we tell have changed. The narrative that we tell has changed. The, The hero's stories. Cultures have these heroic narratives, and it's how we frame things. Who's the hero? Who's the villain? The hero narrative in a traditional culture is it's a narrative of um, self-denial or self-sacrifice for the sake of the group. I will, I will put aside my, who I am as the individual so that the group can thrive. The hero story in modern um, culture is I will look inside myself and I will assert myself. And, and while traditional is kind of deny myself for the sake of the group, modern in many ways has become assert myself in spite of the group. I will be me in spite of my family, in spite of my culture, in spite of my religious upbringing, and I will show you that I am a unique individual. I am a butterfly, darn it, okay? Like, and I'm emerging from my cocoon, um, right? But there's this, that is the hero story. And listen, we don't notice this because it's just, so, it's just so baked into everything that we do. It's, you know, asking the fish, how's the water? And the fish says, what's water? But just think through, and you'll begin to see this everywhere, as you, I'm going I'm to ruin TV and movies for you, okay? As you're watching things, you're going to see this play out. And so uh, just a couple examples. My family and I, we sat down and watched Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings this week because it just dropped on Disney+. Plus. No spoilers in what I'm going to say, okay? I'm going to reveal something about the movie, but it's not crucial to the plot, all right? Um, but so at the beginning of the movie, if you haven't seen it yet, Shang and his friend Katie, uh, they're Chinese-American, and they're, they're at her house. And, and she's there with her family, which includes her mother and her grandmother, who are still traditional Chinese and have that culture. And they're getting on her because it's like, you're not applying yourself, you're really smart, but you're just parking cars for a living. You know, when are you going to get a good job? When are you going to move out? When are you going to get married? Um, and so there's this, this pressure from her culture, because it's normal for them, to this is who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be successful and get a job and get married and go out on your own. But she's just like... 
nah, like I'm going to park cars, I'm a valet, I'm going to party every night and sing karaoke. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do me. And so it's just this picture. We'll stay in the Marvel universe. This is Thor's character arc throughout the Marvel movies. You meet Thor in the first movie and he's all serious. He's like, I'm Thor, Odin's son. Like that's who I am. I am the heir to the throne of Asgard. Then you follow him throughout, throughout the films and the last time you see him, he actually says, no, nah, that's not who I am. I'm not the king of Asgard. So he gives the, you know, the throne to Valkyrie, and he flies off with the Guardians of the Galaxy to go figure out what he wants to do. This is, dude, this is Disney movie galore, okay? Like, this is, this is Mulan. When will my reflection show who I am inside? Okay, this is Little Mermaid, you know. I don't want to be under the sea. I want to be where the people are. Okay, I want to be up. I want to be topside. I want to be a human. Um, you know, this, this is... The best, probably the best example in the last five to seven years, and this was on loop in my house when Braxton was little, Frozen. Absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is Elsa, right? Like, I will not, my, my family says, I have to be this, you know, don't let, don't let people see, you know, conceal, don't feel, don't let them know, okay? I mean, seriously, think about the lyrics to that song, you know, be the good girl you always have to be, it's kind of sad, Snow goes white on the mountain tonight. Okay, like, it, it, but then when the story changes, all of a sudden, like, she gets her, she's like ice princess, okay? And the castle and the clothes and the, the tempo picks up and she's like, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free, let it go. Like, you get it, right? Okay, like that. But listen to the lyrics. It's time to, like, to test the limits of breakthrough. There's no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. I'm going to be who I really am inside. Now, one of the issues is it's kind of a caricature of actual traditional culture. It, it, it always paints it as the bad guy. Um, and, and which is interesting because one of the things we pride ourselves in, in Western culture is like, we will not appropriate our culture and we will, you know, we will be tolerant. It's like, yeah, but we kind of say everybody who's not from a Western culture is bad, okay? <laughs> so that's not a good thing to do, um, but it's a caricature uh, of, of, of this traditional culture and says, here's what you need to do is embrace the true you. You do you. You do you. Um, and so... That's how modern culture says you get your identity. That's, again, we don't even realize that. That's just everything we say, see says, listen to your heart, okay? Listen to your heart when he's calling to you. Um, it's the water that we swim in, but here's, I think, what we might know instinctively, and we're going to point out in the next couple of minutes, is it doesn't actually work. Like, the idea to simply look within myself to discover who I am doesn't work. That, in my opinion, this is just an opinion, it's not backed up with anything, but... I see this happen all the time throughout culture is we go from one extreme that's unhealthy and instead of correcting it, we swing so far the other way that we're actually unhealthy in the other direction. And so a lot of modern identity formation is a response to the way a traditional culture said. You, can, you have to be who your family is. It's, you know, it's repressive. You can't actually be who you want to be as an individual. And so we'll swing all the way the other direction and say, the only thing that matters is what's in my heart, when in reality, both extremes actually lead to some problems. The modern way of forming identity doesn't work. Uh, according to, to Keller, there are at least five reasons why, and I want to go through those real quickly this morning. He says, the first reason why it doesn't work is because it's incoherent. It's incoherent. To find your identity within yourself is incoherent because to look into your heart 
And to discover your dreams and your desires and your feelings sounds good, but the problem is you have multiple dreams and desires and feelings, and a lot of times they're in conflict with one another. And so it's like, it, it kind of creates an identity that is like multiple personalities. Like me, I have a desire to be in shape, okay? I noticed that my face is rounder than it used to be, and my clothes selection is getting limited, okay? Because they don't fit, and I refuse to buy more, okay? I want to be in better shape again. But man, I love food, okay? I do. I love, and not the healthy, get the vegetables out of here, okay? Like, I'll, I'll, I got a sweet tooth, like sugar and meat. I could survive on sugar and meat, <laughs> all right? That's all I need, but like... It's, it, but I have these desires that they're in conflict with one another. Now, those are, are kind of goofy examples, but let's think about this one. Like, where do people find identity? This ends up being a plot line of all kinds of Hallmark movies, by the way. I know some of you are already like Hallmark Christmas all the time. I'm, I'm averting my eyes from a certain section of the room who I know it's true of. Um, but but th- here's a plot line, okay? You may find an, I, there, there's a character, his identity, and this happens to people all the time. I, my identity is my career, my job, and I've got a, an opportunity to advance my career, and I'm going to land that dream job, and I'm going to make it big, and I'm going to, it's going to be awesome. But plot twist, there's a love interest. And now I, I have this identity that wants to be anchored in this romantic relationship with him or with her, and I'm in love. And if I take the job and follow my career that, I, that I've wanted for so long, I've got, we, the, the relationship has to end. But if I pursue the relationship and we get married, then my dream job is gone. Right? And I, which one do you want more? Well, you don't want either more. You want them both equally. Like, those are your desires. And so to say, I'm going, my identity is found within creates some problems because it's like there's conflict. There's conflict. Kind of along the same lines, he goes on to say it's unstable. It's unstable. If your identity is your core sense of who you really are and you look within to find that, the problem is you and I are always changing. And so our identity, identity will be unstable. One minute you're this person, the next you're that because it's tied to my feelings and, and my emotions, uh, that we're always changing. And that's kind of a good thing. I mean, can you imagine if you based your identity in, in something that was a desire of yours when you were 15? And you think back and you're like, what were my desires? And would you like to be that person right now? And hopefully you're all like, oh, no, no. It always cracks me up when people write in yearbooks, don't change. That's horrible advice. Like, why would I want to be the 16-year-old version of myself for the rest of my life? No, please, you want to change. But it's, it's an unstable identity because we're always changing inside. Our, 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 we, and, and so to say I'm going to anchor it in that means I'm just going to be up and down and be different people all the time. He, he continues in saying it's an illusion. This one might be the one that hits the hardest. Say your identity comes from you know, within your heart. You look in, you find your desires. It doesn't actually come from a single desire. It's like you have multiple desires and feelings. We've been talking about that. You, your identity, you're choosing one. So what shapes the one that you choose? We like to think that we're unbiased and we live life in a vacuum, but that's not true. We have a cultural lens. Our culture informs us. And so we, we actually, we end up saying, this is who I'm going to be, but there, it's, there's all this cultural noise and influence in the background. And so the interesting thing is with the modern identity, it says you're the one determining that as opposed to the traditional, but actually you're not. Your culture is informing you. Your culture is informing you. Uh, so it's an illusion. Then he goes on and says, it's crushing. It's crushing. You see, a traditional identity, um, it may be suffocating because it's like you can only be, you know, what your family says or what your culture says or what your society says. So there's a, there's a suffocating a nature to that of like, I can't truly, you know, branch out and, and explore. But modern identity formation is crushing because now all of a sudden, all of the weight and responsibility for your identity and achieving it is squarely on your so- shoulders. 
You have to find out who you are. You have to have a dream. You have to pursue it. And then you have to achieve it all by yourself. Oh, and by the way, the whole world is watching. Because that's the, the other layer of pressure that we've now added of, of now, not only do you have to find your identity and live it out and, and achieve that yourself, but now you've got to make a YouTube about it, uh, a TikTok about it. You've got to have it on Instagram for everyone to see, this is who I am, and I'm doing it, and I'm achieving it. And oh, by the way, I can see that in everybody else's life too. So I see that they're being who they're meant to be, but I'm not being who I'm meant to be. And it is a crushing weight to live in that loop all the time. It's crushing. And then finally, he says it's excluding. It's excluding because ultimately an identity that is built on what's inside and am I living that out? Am I achieving that? The only thing then that I have to measure it against to say, do I have worth? Do I have significance? Do I have value? If it's just coming from within me, the only thing I have to measure that against is other people. How do I know? Okay, if I'm anchoring my identity in my career success or money or my good looks or my intelligence or whatever it is. Well, how do I know that that's who I am and, and I have a sense of worth in that? I got to look at you and see how you're doing in that. And so we'll either end up when people come into our lives that are pursuing a similar thing, say my, my identity, it's in my uh, career, and someone comes along who's more successful than me, either that completely crushes me, which I'm back to, it's crushing, because I'm like, I can't handle it, my identity is shaken, or I've either got to cut those people out of my life or be jerks to them. Because like they, they, are, they are actually attacking the core of who I am. It's only in the comparison that we find the significance. C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. He says, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they're not. They're proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If someone else became equally rich or clever or, or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It's the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Finding identity by just looking into our hearts, it doesn't actually work. It's incoherent, unstable, it's an illusion, it's crushing, it's excluding. And some of you may be arguing with me right now, here in the room or even watching online, and be like, Bill, that's a bunch of garbage, I don't buy it. And I would say, okay, that, you have like, the right to that opinion. But I would push back and say, if it really is a bunch of, of malarkey, we'll say, if it's a bunch of garbage, then it shouldn't bother you that I'm saying. You just go, oh, whatever, he's crazy, and it doesn't make sense. I think if, it, if you're someone that really is bothering you, it's probably because you know there's something to it that's true. That anecdotally, if we look around and say, we've been kind of doing this um, you know, individualism, this expressive individualism, look into your heart. We've been doing that for a while now, several decades at least. And I just got to ask, like, are we happier? Do we have more joy? Do we have more peace in our lives? Do we feel better about ourselves? Are we kinder to one another? Are we thriving in life any more than we used to be whenever the supposed you know, repressive traditional system was on us? I think you'd be hard-pressed to say, yeah. I think things are equally as bad under the modern formula, if not worse. And so what's the answer? Because we, we need an identity. We've got to have it. Again, it shapes everything that we do, and neither the traditional or the modern seem to work. We actually do need someone or something outside of ourselves to say, this is who you are. This is where your worth comes from. But at the same time, it can't be something that we have to work for or earn. That's why going back to traditional isn't the answer. See, at the end of the day, both the traditional and the modern form of finding identity, they have the same fatal flaw, and that is that they're both achievement-based. The traditional, I have to achieve what my group says about me. I got to work for that. 
In the modern, I have to find out who I am, and I have to achieve that. i got to work for it. i got to work for it. I must achieve. I have to figure out who I am, or someone's going to tell me, and I have to do it. I have to accomplish it. And I only have worth and value in this life if I'm able to accomplish that. If I'm able to accomplish that. So, so what, what do we do? What do we do? I need something from outside of myself to tell me who I am, but it can't be something that I have to work for. This is where Christianity comes along and offers a completely different way forward. Like Jesus comes along and with so many things, doesn't say, I'm not going to meet halfway in the middle of this. I'm not going to say I'm going to take part of this and part of this. He's like, no, no, no. Like we're going a completely different direction. It's a completely third way. It's a completely, you know, uh, other than the other two. And, And as you press into what Christianity is and what the Christian faith is at its core is the issue of identity. That what it means to be a Christian and be a follower of Jesus is all about what your identity is. The Apostle Paul puts it uh, so well in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is a very familiar verse, but he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, you are, you are located in him. Your faith is in him. You are, you are actually found in his life. You're found in his death, in his resurrection. It's not just something that exists over here that I believe in. There's, actual, there's an actual like union and unity that occurs with you and Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. You are in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. That is, when you, when you put faith in Jesus, not just intellectual assent, not just I believe in a set of ideas, but when, when I'm trusting, when I'm leaning the weight of my entire life and everything about who I am on his life, death, and resurrection, when I'm, when I'm fully like, if, if, it, if Jesus gets knocked out from under me, I'm flat on my face. The entire weight of my life is trusting in him. What comes along with that is a brand new identity. You are a new creation. It's, it's not so much that, like, here's who you used to be, and now that you're following Jesus, you're just a good version of who you used to be, a cleaned-up version of who you used to be, a Christianized version of who you used to be. It's, no, you are who you used to be died. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. That you've gotten a fresh start, and you are brand new, and there's something new that is giving you a sense of self. There's something new that is giving you a sense of worth. And that is unique because neither traditional or modern culture identity formation can do that. You have no opportunity to be a new person with the traditional system because you are only who your group says you are. You have no opportunity to be a new person, a new creation with the modern version because you're at the whim of your feelings and desires. And so your, your, your heart is in control. And who's to say your heart tomorrow doesn't want to be who you used to be 20 years ago? Right? But, but Jesus comes along and says, no, I'm going to make you brand new. You will have a new identity, the identity of being in Christ. My identity is I am one who is tied to him, located in him, found in him. That is the identity of a Christian. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, that is your singular identity. I am one who is in Christ. That your sense of self and sense of worth come from outside of yourself. Like they they need to. Again, because my heart and your heart, like I'm not trying to be offensive. I just know this about you because I know this about me. My heart is messed up. There are some days when my heart wants really good things. There are other days where I would probably get fired of being a pastor, okay? Because it's just like our hearts are ugly sometimes, and they're, they're all mangled up and tangled up knots like the Grinch, okay? It's almost the season. Like our hearts, it's, I need something from outside of me that has clarity to say, no, no, this is who you are. But that thing that's outside of me can't be other people like it is in the traditional sense. 
because other people have hearts that are just as messed up as mine and just as broken as I am. So I need something from outside of me to give me a sense of identity, but that also matches up with who I am on the inside. That's where Jesus is uniquely equipped to do this because he's coming from outside of you, but he knows who you are on the inside. He knows exactly who you are, who he's created you to be. He knows you better than you know yourself. So he can come from the outside and says, this is who you are, and I also know that when you are this person, it is actually in alignment with who you truly are on the inside. You find your identity in Christ. There's this beautiful picture that's given of this. Jesus is, is teaching, and he calls himself, in John chapter 10, he calls himself the good shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd. And listen, listen to what he says. He says, truly, I, I tell you, if anyone does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way, uh, that person is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He's speaking of himself. The gatekeeper opens it for him, for the shepherd. The sheep, the sheep hear his voice. And what does he do? He calls his sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he's brought all his own outside, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So in in this illustration, Jesus is like, I am the good shepherd, and you are my sheep. And I am the one who calls you. I am the one who names you, and you listen to my voice. You don't listen to the voice of of the people outside, the people around you who are saying, this is who you are, this is who you've been, this is who you'll never be, or whatever those voices are. That's not the voice you listen to. They're not your shepherd. And you don't listen to the voices that are within your heart that say, yeah, you deserve it. Go after it. Who cares? Whatever those voices are. He's like, no, no, you don't listen to that voice because even your own heart isn't your shepherd. He says, I'm your shepherd. I know you. I call you. I've named you. And so your sense of that, that core sense of who am I ultimately I am one who is called and named by Jesus. I am one who is brand new. I am one who is alive in Christ. He is, only he gets to say who I am. It's the song that we sang, right? I am who you say I am, not who anybody else says. That's my core sense of self. And then it's like, okay, so does that person have worth? Does that person have value? Do I have worth? Do I have value if I'm someone who's in Christ? Later on in this this same teaching, a few verses later, he goes on to say that I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. As a person who is in Christ, do I have worth? You have enough worth that the God of the universe looked at you and said, you are someone who is worth dying for that the eternal, all-knowing creator of the universe that breathes out stars and stuff just comes into existence, he says, you are worth dying for. And not the you that everybody else sees, but the you that you know. You know what I'm saying? Like the you that knows your thoughts and your heart and your shortcomings and all of that. He sees all of that and says, you're worth dying for. You are my sheep. I call you. I name you. I have died for you. You have a sense of self. You have a sense of worth. And nothing can ever, ever take that away from you. You see, a traditional culture says, you are your role. Modern culture says, you are your desires. Jesus comes along and says, you are mine. That's who you are. Traditional culture says, you know, who are you? What's your role in society? Are you accomplishing that or not? Modern culture says, look into your heart, just follow your desires. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The only thing, the only place you find your identity is in me. You are mine. You've been bought with a price, the price of my blood. You are mine. And he, he would say, too, hey, your role and your desires, they're important. They're good things. 
but they're not your identity. They flow from your identity. And as your identity, again, is one who's in Christ, who's made new, who is called and named by Jesus, the roles then that I play and the desires that I have, they, they, they flow out of that. They come out, out of that. They're shaped by and informed by who I am in Christ. And so the roles that I have in my life and the desires that I have now, I, I bring those into alignment with my identity in Jesus. I bring those into submission with my identity in Jesus and say, I, in Christ, that is my identity. Now, everything else in my life falls into place underneath of that. So going back, you know, I used myself as an example at the beginning, so I'll use it now. So to say, listen, I, a husband to Christy, that is not my identity. I'm not a husband. I'm one who is in Christ, and as a person who is in Christ, I will fulfill my role as a husband. My identity is not, you know, I'm a dad. My identity is I'm in Christ, and as the dad to Paisley and Braxton, uh, I, will, I will do that as one who is a follower of Jesus. The desires that I have, like I love progress and success and entrepreneurship and get stuff done, but if not kept in check, that thing turns into a monster, and so I've got to go, wait a minute, first, like I'm not my career or success or whatever project I accomplished this week. I, I am one who is in Christ, and he's gifted me in these ways, and that's great, but that's not who I am. You see, the, the ugly truth, the monster is that whenever our identity is in the other things instead of in Christ, it destroys the other things. You want to destroy your marriage real quick if you're married or your kid, you want to get your kids all messed up, find your identity in your marriage or in your kids. They weren't meant to hold that weight. But Jesus says, look, find it in me, and then you can do those things the way you were meant to do them. And there is so much freedom in that. Because whenever I say, look, Jesus says I'm, I'm his, that that's my identity, I am then freed up to live from my identity instead of for my identity. So many of us, man, we go through life, either in the traditional or the modern sense, and we go about our lives trying to live for an identity. This is who I am. I need to have value. I need to have worth. I need to be this person. I need, like, and we live for it and for it and for it. And going back to the beginning, that is crushing like, that, that is too much weight for you to bear. But Jesus comes along and says, I, I want to free you up to be exactly who you were made to be. I'm going to give you an identity that says you are mine, you are bought, you are loved, you're a son, you're a daughter, all these beautiful things. And nothing can take that identity away. Now you're freed up to go and live from that. Go be the, go be the version of you that I've actually made you to be. And you, you perform those roles, and you chase after those dreams, but you do it, again, not having to have that for your identity, but because your identity is secure in Christ. Your identity is secure in Christ. The Apostle Paul um, writes about this a lot. There's one letter in particular. It's a short letter. It's six chapters, the letter to the Ephesians. And it is, is really centered around this idea. The first half of the letter, he, he spends talking about, here's who you are. This is who you are in Christ. And then kind of the second half, he turns his attention to, okay, so here's how you live. Here's who you are. Here's how you live. And, and there's, chapter two is just this beautiful chapter where there's a couple of verses tucked in the middle of it that just point to this reality so well that you get to live from an identity instead of for it, that what Jesus does for you is a gift. Ephesians chapter two, um, verses eight through 10, it says this, that uh, for you are saved by grace. It is through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's God's gift. You're saved by grace. It is a gift. It is a gift. It's not from works. It's not something that you have to accomplish so that no one can boast, no one can brag, no one can say, look at who I am, look at what I've done, look for all the world to see who I am and how I've accomplished. He's like, no, no, it, it's a gift. What God has done in the identity that you have is a gift. 
You can't brag about it. And he goes on to say, for we are his workmanship. His workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus. There's that identity. It's in Christ. We're created for good works. So there is something for us to do that God prepared for us ahead of time to do. But notice the order. The first thing he says is, here's who you are. You're saved. You've received grace. Earlier in the chapter, he says, you were dead, and now you're alive. You're seated in high places with Jesus. You've experienced the abundant riches of his kindness and grace. All of these things, you are saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. This is who you are. You haven't earned it. It's a gift, and you receive it. And then, after that, he says, oh, and there's something for you to do. There's good works for you to do. See, because of who you are in Jesus, you can live out of that identity now. You're saved by grace through faith, and there are good works ahead of you. Live from an identity and not for it. You don't achieve an identity in Jesus, you receive it. You're dead and you're alive. You're raised up with Jesus. You're a new creation. You, you've experienced God's grace. You're created to do good works. All of these things are found in Jesus. They're all things that aren't found anywhere else. You're a new person with a new identity. It's a gift. It's a gift. And there is no identity that you can get from looking to the world around you or from looking even into your own heart that can offer you that kind of a gift, that can offer you just peace and security and the ability to live without the weight on your shoulders and say, I know exactly who I am, and I'm going to live out of that. There's no other identity that can allow you to truly flourish for who you have been created to be, because only God knows who he has made you to be, and that's only, that's only realized in the person of Jesus. It's the only identity that unleashes that in your life, and it is a gift. It's something that is given. There's a couple of things that we do with the gift. Someone hands you a gift, there's, there's only a couple options, really. It's either you say, thank you, and you receive it. Or, some of you, I know this is true, you're like, you're bad, you're bad gift receivers, and you say, no, 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 I can't possibly, I can't possibly. Right? It's, like, it's a gift, take it. No, no, I don't need it. You, it's too much, it's too much. And those are basically the options. Jesus is like, hey, here, I got this gift for you. It's, it's new life, it's new creation, a brand new identity. I've done all the work. It's a gift. Will you receive it? And so do we or not? Here's, we kind of get this weird third option that's kind of a fear of mine for those of us that are Christians. For many of us, we've received the gift. We're like, Jesus, I receive your grace. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for doing that so I can have a relationship with you. And we take that gift, and then we go put it on a shelf, and we never actually unwrap it. And we dust it off, we come to church, we're like, look at that gift, isn't that gift great? Look at it, it's beautiful, look at the wrapping paper. It's one of those fancy gifts, you know, where you put the ribbon around it, and you're, you ran the scissors to make it curly. Like, it's beautiful, it's a bedazzled gift, you're like, look at the gift. And Jesus is like, open it, man, open it. And so, so many of us, we're Christians, like, we put our faith in Jesus, but we live like the gift is just there on the shelf. Who I really am now, the identity that I have in Christ, I never actually get to live out of it because it's still just sitting there. And so, I mean, I got a couple of things I just want to invite you to today. For some of you, you're here or even that are tuning in online, you've never even, you've not grabbed the gift yet. Like, God is giving you the gift. Like, you, 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 he's offering you brand new identity and forgiveness because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He has died for our sins, the things that separate us from him. and says, you can be a brand new person. You no longer have to be what you've done or what other people have done to you or what's been said about you or all your shortcomings or all your failings. You can be brand new. You can be filled with the Spirit. You can be forgiven of your sins. Like, for some of you, it's just grab the gift, okay? 
Like that's your step today, to accept Jesus. And I would love to have a conversation with you about that. You can message us um, or, or, or drop a comment if you're watching online. For others of you, and you, you need to just open it up. Open the gift. Like start walking in who God has said, this is who you are. Like don't just receive it and say, that's beautiful, but actually open it up. Uh, and it's, it's like a gift that you wear. It's a new identity that you put on, and we're going to talk about that next week. And, and open it, use it, enjoy the gift. And another plug, seriously, man, like one of the ways that we do that, that we open that up and we celebrate that is through baptism. That is the way of saying that identity that I have in Christ, I'm putting it on, I'm living it, and I want everybody to know it. Um, so you got a couple of next steps today. If, you need, if, if your next step is to follow Jesus, you can text the number, you can leave it in the comments, you can come have a conversation with me. If your next step is baptism to say, Listen, I want to walk in this new identity. Same thing. You can go to the, the kiosk at the back, talk to me, text the number. We want to help you take that next step to live in who Jesus says you are. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much just for who you are. God, that we have this beautiful promise that in you, we get to be brand new creations. That we are not who we used to be. We're not the lies that we believed about ourselves and told ourselves or other people have said about us. We are not um, what other people say. We're not even what comes from within our own heart because that can lead us astray so easily. But we are, we are made new in you. We are loved. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. Um, God, we, we thank you for that truth. God, we are created um, for good works, to a life living out of the identity that we have that brings you glory and honor and praise. And so, God, I pray through the power of your spirit that you would unleash that in us today. That we would live into who you say we are. That we would be so firmly rooted and grounded in our identity in you, our worth in you, that nothing else could, uh, could slow us down, could trip us up. Gotta pray through your spirit, you would um, convict us, equip us, encourage us to move into whatever our next step is. God, to begin pursuing a relationship with you for the first time, to put our faith in Jesus. Lord, to make a new commitment. God, to take a step of baptism or just walking in who you say we are. We pray these things in Jesus' name.